have the Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roller with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? look great in person and I uh, just can't wait to next year we, we can pack it full of 25,000. Hey Bob, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guy's day. It was being ranked. I mean, how do you look? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. And welcome back to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, episode number 118, presented by the Fancy Points Media Group. Hey, we looked, we try to fake it till we make it with the high-end production value, but hey, we come with the best guests there are out there, and today is no different. Joining me as always, to my left, to my right, whichever way you're looking at the screen, or if you're listening to the podcast, directions <laughs> are not helping you right now. It is Major Caldwell joining me once again. How you doing, Major? What's up? I'm doing good. Let's go. And on today's show, we are bringing you a true triple threat. Yes, an actor, a singer, and one of the best fantasy analysts you will find anywhere. You remember her from Fantasy Alarm, or you may have caught her on the Extra Points Waiver Wired podcast. She is an FSWA Award nominee, an SFBX finalist, and now she applies her trade over at Sports Illustrated. Please welcome... Jennifer Piacenti. How are you doing, Jennifer? What's going on, guys? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me today. Uh, tons of NFL news, MLBs starting up, college basketball. We got March Madness. This is a fantastic time of year. You're not just a football analyst. I mean, you've got yeah. that baseball background. You've got yeah. that basketball background. You name it, you do it there. Now, Sports Illustrated, and I know one of the big things, you've actually got yourself in the Sports Illustrated magazine now. I've seen that nice and framed there on uh, Mr. Piacente's there, uh, Twitter not too long ago with all some, some other more unique photos and ticket stubs that he has. So, I mean, you pretty much yeah. do just about everything there over at Sports Illustrated. I know you're doing a lot of that back when your fantasy alarm days there as well. Yeah, I was uh, very lucky to start a fantasy alarm and did a lot of fantasy football. And then that's what they brought me on for. And then they let me stay and do fantasy baseball, which um, is where I started actually was doing fantasy baseball. So yeah, it's great. And SI now has me doing basketball too, which was not something that I originally intended to do, but Hey, it's, it's fun too. I mean, we got March Madness coming up. Like who doesn't like to bet a bracket? Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, we've basically been doing these since like back in our day in school, like grade five, grade six, everyone's been picking the brackets. Maybe we'll talk about your favorite strategies when it comes to brackets. I know one of mine was picking the coolest name way back when, like in the fifth grade, thinking a cougar was going to beat a, uh, a Husker or something like that. <laughs> so you can advance them along that way without knowing anything. But you know what? When it comes to March Madness, I don't really know if there is a correct way to predict anything that goes on. That's what the madness comes into play. And the madness has come into play here in March for the yes. National Football League. We're talking combine. We're talking odds. Now, I think this year there's not that definitive number one pick that we've seen mm -hmm. in years past. Usually that's kind of catered to the quarterback position. There's not a quarterback here worthy, in my opinion, of that number one pick. I got some lower draft grades on the quarterback position. But let's talk about some of these rookie odds of going number one. Who is that odds on favorite? And then maybe enlighten us a little bit more. Who do you like as the best 
kind of fit for that pick there at number one. So the odds-on favorite right now is Evan Neal. You know, makes a lot of sense. He's a gigantic offensive tackle out of Alabama. Uh, you know, massive size, but moves like a, a much more nimble person, you know. So he's the odds-on favorite because, like, it looks like Jacksonville has the number one pick, right? Assuming they don't trade it. And, and to be honest, I don't really see a trade someone trading up to the number one spot because I don't know why anyone needs to. Because as you pointed out, it's not like there's this like consensus number one Joe Burrow or Trevor Lawrence this year. There's not a lot of incentive to trade up because it's a lot of defensive players that everybody can use or offensive linemen that are kind of top ranked. So I think it will remain Jacksonville. So Evan Neal's the odds-on favorite. However, uh, Iki Aquanu. You know, he's still plus 500 last I checked. You get a lot more value for that. And that guy put on a phenomenal combine. And of course, I love him because in his combine interview, he uh, revealed to us that he played Pongo the dog in the fifth grade and also <laughs> that he can sing tenor. And I don't know if you know anything about singing, but if you're six foot seven, 320, and you can sing that high, you're a physical specimen. So, like, I want you in my locker room because you're a unicorn. Um, so yeah, I kind of like Iquano there. Yeah, that was gonna be one of my questions when we got into the behind the grade. I wanted to go with the Mythbusters type theme here. Can he actually be a tenor? I mean, the dude you said six, seven, three hundred plus pounds. And I know if I'm gonna ask someone for musical expertise, maybe a little bit of musical plays and that kind of stuff, you're the person to come to for this because <laughs> I mean, just go on your dad's Twitter account. There's plenty of uh ammunition and uh, evidence to back that claim up. <laughs> That's true. Good old Rick Piacenti. Don't follow him. Don't follow him. Um, it is possible. It's always possible. Um, there have been, I mean, look at, look at the size of Luciano Pavarotti. Okay. He wasn't six foot seven, but he was a big dude and he sung really, really, really high. So it's possible though. It generally is, you know, it's funny when you look at people's neck, Next, you can often guess what kind of a voice they have by the size of their neck. So I sing high. You can see that I kind of have a small, long neck. <laughs> so uh, we should just go check out his neck. I know that's a thing. I know that's a thing even in draft season, the neck sizes. I know that was one of those things that was floated around Twitter during the combine, measuring a person's neck like, and the value hand, of that as far hand as size, the, the neck hand size. Sizes. Size we, of your Adam's apple matters. Like, see, mine's really small. Um, if you have a bigger one, you're more likely to sing low. So we should check out. Like, does he have a does he have a big Adam's apple? We're we are gonna have we to do a little bit more in-depth research pictures. on this one. Put up the pictures now. <laughs> we, need, we need to solve yeah, let's this zoom mystery. In. What we also need to solve is what is going on with the National Football League this week. We are getting all kinds of stuff thrown at us right now, and it all kicked off early in the week. Russell Wilson and a fourth-round pick going from Seattle to Denver. And I mean, Denver got quite the haul here. Two firsts, one this year, one next year, including pick number nine, which we can talk about a little bit later as it pertains to the draft. Two seconds, one this year, one next year. Uh, a fifth-round pick, Drew Locke, Noah Font, and Defensive tackle, Shelby Harris. Now, Jen, what, what are your thoughts here on that trade? Who's the winner? Who's the loser? Do both teams potentially lose on this? Or is this one of those things where everyone's happy? 
I think everyone's happy here. I mean, Seattle got a huge haul, and I know that there may be some questions about Russell Wilson's ability. Certainly, if you rostered him in fantasy in your fantasy leagues, you've been frustrated. Like, you know, he put up a huge first half in 2020 and then totally dropped off, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. However, look at the blueprint for the last two years of who went to the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay, all they needed was a quarterback. They went and got Tom Brady. They won the Super Bowl. The Los Angeles Rams, all they needed was a quarterback. They went and got Matt Stafford, not even near Tom Brady level, and they won the Super Bowl. So if you're Denver and you're sitting and you're looking at your your locker room and you've got Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and Albert O and Javante Williams and KJ Hamler and Tim Patrick. I mean, the list goes on and on and you've got a strong defense and you just hired an offensively minded coach in Nathaniel Hackett. Why wouldn't you just go get Russell Wilson? And the sports books reflect this because after Aaron Rodgers signed, he was the first announcement, right? Or maybe he didn't sign yet technically, right. but after the announcement was made, he was staying with the Packers. We saw the Packers odds go from 14 to one to 10 to one. The Broncos odds stayed 20 to one because the rumor was it was Rogers going to the Broncos, right? 20 minutes later, Russell Wilson signs those odds shoot up to plus 1200. So that is tied with the Bengals for the fifth most favored just by making that one move. Now, of course, Vegas can be wrong. And of course, Vegas tries to capitalize on people's emotions and what they feel. And it's exciting that Russell Wilson is going, but uh, listen, you can't deny there's a lot of playmakers there. Russell's had a bit of a monkey on his back for whatever reason in Seattle. We know we had the thumb issue, but the last two games, he kind of looked more like himself. I think this could be a, a new chapter for him and it could end up really well if they fall follow that Tampa Bay and Los Angeles blueprint. So it's exciting. And then on Seattle's side, I don't exactly know what they're doing. It's just, it's not exactly clear, but they certainly got draft capital. And, and that's pretty important for building toward the future. So of course now all eyes are on, Hey, what are they going to do with DK Metcalf? What are they going to do with Tyler Lockett? Uh, is Rashad Penny a thing or nah? I mean, who knows? So we're just going to have to keep looking. We are having quite a bit of quarterback carousel going on here in this, this week. And I don't think we're done because sometime today, I'm no legal expert or whatnot, but the Deshaun Watson, there should be some clarity mm -hmm. coming there. Twitter is rumbling right now. Social media, Reddit, or you know what? I don't even go on Reddit because you'll find all kinds of weird things over there. But there is links to Watson possibly going to Seattle, possibly to Pittsburgh, possibly to Carolina. We've heard this. So maybe this is a move which they use some of that draft capital, flip it back to Houston to bring Deshaun Watson to Seattle, and then everyone's blown away by the whole thing. But it hasn't happened yet. What has happened is the Washington Commanders, they struck out on Aaron Rodgers. They struck out on Russell Wilson. So you know what? Sometimes – you need to get a nice little bunt single down to third baseline and get on base. And I think that's kind of what they did here with Carson Wentz. What are it's, your thoughts on Carson Wentz trade? It's it's hilarious. Speaking of sportsbooks odds, um, once the commanders acquired Carson Wentz on our sportsbook over at SSI, they didn't budge. They did not become any more favored. They were still 50 to one. And on other sportsbooks, it got worse. 65 <laughs> to one with the acquisition of Carson Wentz. Now I don't think it's worse. I mean, I think it's good for Terry McLaurin, but like, I don't see how the Cowboys now, obviously I'm a Cowboys fan, but I don't see how the Cowboys don't easily win this division. Of course, they're kind of a mess right now. I mean, who knows? Jerry Judy is, I mean, sorry, Jerry Jones is off fathering babies and <laughs> Amari Cooper's calling 
Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins. So it's 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 obviously there's some things going on there, and they have to maybe resign Michael Gallup and et cetera, et cetera. So of course, there's a lot up in the air, but um, yeah, Carson Wentz returns to the NFC least, and uh, he wasn't that successful there previously. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> And I think that also changes what Washington is going to do with that pick number 11. Now they may look for, you know, Carson Wentz, he loves himself a big target. He had Elshon Jeffrey way back mm-hmm. when, Michael Pibb in Indianapolis. This may be one of those calls for Garrett Wilson here. We're talking about him possibly going higher in the draft. This could be a nice spot, a big guy, 6'4", 6'5", 220. Maybe that's a possible landing spot a little bit earlier than maybe some people were originally projecting for the big guy there out of Ohio State. Now, a little bit of fun here with the Carson Wentz situation because I like to poke fun of it. I, one of the first things I saw on Twitter, and I don't know if it's true or not, those odds went from like plus 6,000 to plus six, uh, 7,500. Basically, once the commanders acquired Carson Wentz, meaning Vegas is like, okay, yeah, we're going to catch the reaction yeah. of fans. We're going to bump this way back because they even got worse somehow. But here's my theory, and I'm always about the conspiracy theory, and I always believe that everyone wants to stick it to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, we all know that the cap is the cap doesn't really exist, but it exists. I mean, the guy down there in uh, New Orleans, he's doing all kinds of magic tricks with that cap for the Saints. The Dallas Cowboys, on paper, are in a bit of a cap situation. I mean, it's no mm-hmm. secret about it, but we know the cap can be misconstrued and shaped any which way you could possibly think of. Now, here's my thought process. Now, I think it's going to be a smooth transition for Carson Wentz. I don't think the Eagles are going to miss him. I don't think the Colts are going to miss him because, you know what, like any good breakup, Carson Wentz still gets to see both those teams this year. And luckily for both the Eagles and the Colts, they can still continue catching passes from Carson Wentz this year. So I think that transition is going to be nice and smooth. But here's where it gets tricky for the Dallas Cowboys. I think that they got Carson Wentz solely to bump up Trevon Diggs' numbers so that the Dallas Cowboys are forced to pay him even more money in the coming years. So a little bit of down-the-road thinking here for the Washington Redskins. Vegas has them losing even more games this year, so it improves their draft capital. But now they're going to make it so Trevon Diggs can't be – the Cowboys can't afford Diggs in four years when that rookie contract comes up. So, well, that is – just went down a rabbit hole. Like, I don't – like – That is – so you're buying the Trayvon Diggs breakout, hey? Hey, you know what? If Car- if he gets Carson Wentz two times a year, that could be six interceptions right there. That's going to bump him up at least ten million. That's true. You, you could be right. I mean, I, I listen. Four years from now, we we may be calling you an oracle. Yeah, you know what? If I if I get this right, I probably should just quit and walk out while I'm ahead. Right? That's kind of the series exactly. on that one. And you know what? Sometimes what's old is new, and what's new is old. I'm not. I'm old enough to remember the backlash that the then Oakland Raiders got. And trust me, my heart was broken when this took place, when they traded Khalil Mack to the Chicago Bears, and they got themselves a pretty healthy bounty. And my biggest thing was, hey, it's not about what they got. It's about what they got rid of. And I'm talking about that salary cap. What they were able to do with that salary cap is they then went off and added some pieces, this and that. They missed it on some of the management parts, but they freed themselves up some ability. Now when the Bears do it, which they got less of a haul, I think a second and a six going back to Chicago as Khalil Mack is heading back West to the AFC West. I mean, I hope Russell Whistle- Wilson can still run because we didn't see much of that last year. And with Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack with the Chargers, there's nowhere to go. What's your thoughts on Khalil Mack and the Chargers? I mean, this is why, this is what happens when you have a good rookie quarterback who's mm-hmm. peaked already or in the midst of the peaking on a cheap contract. You can do things like this. How are we mm-hmm. feeling about the Chargers and Mack? 
I think it's a big boy move. Let me tell you, I think it's, it's fantastic. And it was a, it was an awesome response to Russell Wilson joining the division, right? Uh, this is the most stacked division. It's insane. The quarterbacks playing here. Um, I think it's phenomenal. And interestingly, I put out an article just before this Khalil Mack trade where I was just reviewing how all the futures had moved and I was tracking exactly what we talked about. The Packers are now plus 1,000. The Broncos are now plus 1,200. And I noted that the Chargers seem like really good value at plus 2,200. Like that just seemed like great value because like the Cowboys were ahead of them. The Niners were ahead of them. And I just think the Chargers could be doing it. And then they acquired Khalil Mack. And I thought, ugh. I wish I'd taken that 2200 before this trade. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about so, yeah. a difference maker. He is a big difference maker. So I hope it all works out for them. I think we're going to see some of the most phenomenal football this year. Super pumped about it. But is there still gas in the tank with, with Mac? Do you think it's still gas there? I do. I think that there is. I mean, no, you're not going to see Khalil Mack – you know, from five years ago, but yeah, I think a lot of times when you change teams and you have, as you suggested, you know, a young superstar quarterback, I mean, he hasn't been playing for that. Like what has been that exciting to play for in Chicago, you know, um, Andy Dalton, like, I don't know. Like, so there's just going to be a lot of motivation. And I do think the competition is going to be really high. That's kind of why I also think Russell Wilson might achieve because it's like, you know, you kind of, you play at the level that you're given, right? So if everything goes up like this, I think these guys are competitors and they're all going to level up. I think it's going to be good for everybody. I think everyone's going to level up. I don't think anyone's going to bottom out and it could make for some pretty fantastic uh, fantasy days. Yeah. You get these teams playing each other twice a year. I mean, I mean, Denver was basically, like you said, a quarterback away from being a scary team last year. Mm -hmm. We know what the Chiefs can do. We know the Chargers. They just missed the playoffs. If they wouldn't have called a timeout, they'd probably be in the playoffs. Let's be honest here right now. The Raiders, they're a playoff team. Now, could you imagine now if the Raiders somehow go out there now and go, now it's our turn to react. Let's go get Bobby Wagner. Now let's solidify that defense. I mean, somebody's going to. Somebody's going to get Bobby Wagner. So that's the piece of the Seattle thing that, that I get that they have to create cap space, but like letting go of Bobby Wagner was interesting. And that's where it gets a little confusing. That's where it doesn't seem like they're just going to trade for Deshaun Watson. Um, but maybe, maybe they still are. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, but that was a, that was a really important piece of Seattle to, to give up. I think more than anything, I think the Chargers realize what they have there. We know Staley, he's an aggressive coach. So yeah. you bet your bottom dollar, he lobbied hard to get Cleo Mack when he found out this was a possibility. The best we, way... And remember, he's a defensive-minded coach, right? right. That's, that's his background. So if he's out there saying, hey, let's get Khalil Mack, he has a plan for Khalil Mack. He has a plan. Now, obviously, we've questioned a few of his decisions, especially in the postseason, uh, as you brought up. Like, But I think there's a plan. And him being a defensive-minded coach first says to me, uh, they're going for it. And all paths to the Super Bowl in the AFC have to cross Arrowhead at some point, one way or the other. And the, we've t- seen teams that have had the most success against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs get to Patrick Mahomes, make him uncomfortable, make him move. We watched in the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've seen it time and time again. And I think that's probably the biggest piece. Not only is Khalil Mack one of the better run stoppers at the edge mm-hmm. position, I don't think he gets enough credit for what he can do there. But 
you can't double him because you got Joey Bosa. If you double Joey right. Bosa, you got Kula Mack coming at you. And now if they go out there and uh, hear me out, if they go out there and go through the draft, as some people are predicting, and get themselves a big dude out of Georgia to kind of stuff that middle, <laughs> that defensive line is going to cause all kinds of problems for anyone that they're facing. Even the Chargers can't outcharge themselves in 2022 <laughs> with that defensive front. He had to do it. You're doing so well. You had to do the whack pun. You're doing I, I so got to well. get in there at least once a show. God, we have company. Come on, dude. <laughs> but like Jed said, I mean, this AFC West, the, the AFC in general is going to be crazy. I mean, you look at the NFC, you've got Aaron Rodgers there. And what, Matt Stafford is the number two quarterback in the entire NFC. Maybe Dak, I mean, you can make some arguments there, but in retrospect, isn't it so obvious that Aaron Rodgers was always going to stay in Green Bay? I mean, I, I thought that from the beginning. The path is so much simpler through the NFC. It is. You, you take any of these quarterbacks in the AFC West and you put them in the NFC, and you're looking at the number two, number three quarterback in the league, let alone the number four in the division. And right. Aaron Rodgers, there's no way Aaron Rodgers' ego was going to handle being the third or fourth best quarterback in Correct. a division. That's right. But what do you mean? Uh, with, no, no. Hey, put some respect on Derek Carr's name. I see you're, you're trying to get me to come back around on Derek Carr, okay? <laughs> you know I love myself some Derek Carr. And with that, we're going to head out. We're going to take a quick commercial break. That's enough football talk because we know why you're listening here. You want to hear the story of Jennifer Piacente <laughs> told by her father, Rick. No, Rick's not oh, coming God. in. Today. Don't worry. We, we're not <laughs> going to surprise anyone like Let's that. You can totally but. do that. That's terrifying. <laughs> that, I, were, I wish I would have thought of that a little bit sooner than right now because I think that's a <laughs> great reveal halfway through the show. But don't worry. We got plenty of good information coming your way just after this quick little break. We'll see you in a second. back with episode number 118 of the dynasty vipers vipercast presented by the fancy points media group hey one-stop shop for all your fancy football needs head to fancypoints.com enter promo code vipers 22 and get yourself 10 percent off that subscription today now with that all being said hey it is time to go behind the grind with jennifer piacenti and we are going to kick this off the best way we know how and normally i ask this question because you know, I, I talk about a closer coming into the ninth inning to shut down a game. I talk about a wrestler coming down to the ring, getting that huge pop from the fans. I'm going to turn it because I know you were so close in SFBX. What would that inauguration song be to anoint you the champion? What are you get coming down to to kind of hype the people to your presence coming down? What's that song? Wow. What is that song? Um, God, that's a good question. Um I mean, are we, is We Are the Champions by Queen just like so overrun? <laughs> because Queen is the only thing that ever runs through my mind when you do this. Uh, yeah, I don't, you know, that was, I made it pretty far this year too. But SFBX was my first, my inaugural Scott Fishbowl. I got my SFBX shirt on actually, coincidentally. Nice. And um, that was just a lot of, a lot of good luck. I mean, I think I drafted well. 
But uh, I couldn't believe it as we kept coming down to get down to the final 12 out of, I don't know, 2000 teams. Uh, that was, that was really awesome though. Not as awesome as winning the NFFC postseason third place in NFFC postseason this year, which paid me big bucks. Nice. <laughs> that was even better. Well, we'll talk, let's, let's circle back to that there. What's the thought process when you enter one of those big time tournaments like that? Like, I know the Scott Fishbowl, that's kind of fun. It's a charity kind of thing. I mean, there's a different level. I know it's still fun, but there's a little bit of stress added into one of those NFC, NFFC, sorry, kind of tournaments because there's money on the line. There's the best of the best they're going at it, and they're serious about it too. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I didn't do it in a super serious way, literally. I mean, you guys know how this is when you have a podcast. I have a podcast I host and uh, we needed content for postseason. And so I said to my partner, I said, hey, I'm just going to throw us in an NFFC, you know, $40 entry postseason contest. And why don't we just build the lineup on our pod together and talk about why. And then that will help teach people how to play. So I built it and then we came and then we discussed what I built and if we were going to change anything and whatever on the pod. And that was the entire podcast. That it, that's it. As we're going through the season, I keep messaging him. I'm like, um, we're actually doing really well. Like we're 25th. And he's like, not, he's like, Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think he gets it. Like, <laughs> he gets it. Um, so anyway, at the end, I said, you know, we finished third. And I was like, we finished third. $40 entry paid us six grand. Um, and hilariously, I was just mad at myself at the end because had we entered the big contest, the like $200 entry one, we would have finished second. It would have been like 80 grand. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I was like, okay, lesson learned. But it was an awesome surprise because we were just doing it to kind of like teach people how, strategy and how to do it. And it was content and it ended up uh, working out for us. And hopefully anybody who listens to that podcast. That's awesome. Um, I, hang on, Major. I'm just going to jump here real quick. I've heard like guys like Jeff Manns kind of talk about sometimes the bigger ticket drafts, the money tick, the getting in, to get into that money is actually a lower score because there's right. more, there's not as many people playing people those big team. That's right. And that's what I looked at. There were fewer entries. There were about 400 fewer entries in the bigger ticket one. So that was a good lesson for me too. I was like, you know what? I should just trust myself and I've just gone for it. Right. Because the payout would have been so much bigger. We would have finished higher. So you're absolutely right about that. In fact, uh, if anybody's wouldn't, if anybody's watching this on Tuesday, if you play fantasy baseball at NFBC, we're doing a beat Gen Piacenti league. I think it's $180 entry cut line, best ball, a grand prize of $75,000. So if you think you can do it, that's insane. I'm going to, I'm going to play hard. You should know that. <laughs> she said, I'm not taking this one. Like you're not ever taking it easy again. Right. <laughs> um, but let's talk. Let's talk about you a little bit more. Let's talk about a young, young Jen. Um, did you play any sports growing up? And um, what were some of your favorite teams and players growing up? So that's a great question. I did not play a single sport growing up. In fact, I had no athletic ability whatsoever. I hated running. I hated PE. Uh, <laughs> I did ballet, and I did tap dancing, and I did musicals, and I am was am still the girliest girl of all girls. However, 
my dad and his brothers were big athletes and I would go, they would play one-on-one basketball. They would play in these intramural softballs and they were like really good. In fact, my uncle still plays baseball. Like, and he's, I don't know, nearly 70. He's still, (laughs) and they, they would win the state tournaments. My dad won MVP of the state softball tournament in Texas. So this is like a lot of teams and, and they all played and I would go, I would go with my dad, mostly because he would usually let me get like a Coke out of the igloo or take me for ice cream afterwards. So I got a treat and I would sit and I would watch and I learned to, to like the game and cheer for my family because Piacenti was on the back of the jerseys. Right. And there were four of them playing it was my dad and my three uncles. So it, they were always called the lucky 13 and my birthday's on the 13th of October. So it just Uh felt like a a cool thing, you know? And so no, I never played sports. I just would go with my dad. So my dad would take me to Rangers games um, and the Cowboys, of course, because I was in Dallas. So the, the Cowboys were my team and then the Mavericks, which back then the Mavericks were not good. Mm -hmm. Um, they were actually terrible. So there was really nobody ever in the stadium. So we could go all the time because the tickets were basically free. (laughs) So did you like, do you have any like favorite players? I loved Pudge Rodriguez. Okay. (laughs) I loved Pudge Rodriguez. Um, he was kind of my guy. I just thought he was so cool. And hilariously, like four years ago, he friend requested me on Facebook. Nice. nerded out i'm like oh my god it's pudge like the actual pudge probably nobody else would have found that cool but (laughs) i'm totally facebook friends with pudge rodriguez that's so cool i can't even get my dad to facebook friend me on facebook right now that's that's where i'm at for good reason you don't want your dad to be on your social media let me tell you (laughs) i don't think his dad wants to be true he always has his shirt off and all kind of crazy stuff going on over there (laughs) his dad is good staying away so you're 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 good (laughs) If my dad's watching this, please keep your shirt on, Dad. <laughs> where, where do you think I learned this behavior from, Major? Oh, your dad. I'm so sorry it's for genetic. your mom. It's genetic. I, I know your mom is probably just like, oh my gosh. So the one thing that I know, I know uh, your dad is proud of is your work there at Sports Illustrated. I mean, we joked a little bit earlier there. Uh, I seen some uh, fantastic framed tickets from some shows that you've done in your past with some nice pictures of you in your musical kind of career there and whatnot. And then there's that sports illustrated uh, cover there with your article actually in it. Now we all joke. I mean, anyone who's into content creation, we always dream of getting into that big magazine to have your work published, to see it. I mean, it really does hit different. I remember the first time uh, Bob Harris gave me an opportunity to have an, an article, 200 words into his magazine. I mean, I've done articles, I've done online stuff, but when you pick it up from the newsstand and you open it up and you flip through the covers and you see your stuff, it just hits different. Now, what was that feeling opening up that Sports Illustrated cover and seeing something that you put together right there? It was pretty amazing. I have to say, Tom Brady on the cover um, and... Uh, it's funny because the article that got put in the magazine, I didn't write it for the magazine. I just wrote it for the online. And then one of the, uh, you know, top editors at, at SI contacted me and said, Hey, we want to include, uh, your article or bits of your article, um, in the published version. And I was like, Oh my God, this is like 
the coolest ever. And so then I just waited on pins and needles to see what it looked like. And of course I immediately texted my dad. I'm like, Hey dad. And my dad was at the airport. So he grabbed like two or three of them right there and opened it up and could see it. And to me, it was like, um, I guess a lot of people can't identify this, but when I first moved to New York and the first time my name was listed in a playbill, you know, like when you go to the Broadway show and you see the playbill and you open it up, and the first time my name was there, that's what it, that's exactly what it felt like being in Sports Illustrated. And it felt sort of surreal and really cool. And like, I, I could get used to this. Let's do this some more. Yeah, I so feel cool. like we missed an opportunity for social media to have like a live opening with your dad at the airport. Grab these <laughs> magazines. And because I know totally I was like, sure, I, I hit I got my I found mine at the Walmart so, and I went to like every cashier at the Walmart and I was showing, Hey, this is me. This is me. I, I can just imagine the reaction going down when that occurred. Yeah. I think his, his wife took a photo of him with it um, and sent it to me, but we should have, we should have had our live stream it. That was totally a missed opportunity. You're right. <laughs> Let's talk about a decision that changed the trajectory of your life. Um, you can't say like husband or kids or anything like that. Um, yeah. So a decision that changed the trajectory of my life. Okay. Well, there's been a lot of those. Um, I often joke, I'm like, I'm on gen 3.0. Cause, mm. uh, I've had many different careers, um, done many different things in my life and lived many different places. So, um, so it's keeping with sports. Let's keep it there. I guess unknowingly was joining my first high stakes fantasy football league, uh, kind of by accident, uh, changed the trajectory of my life because, uh, through that I, I had it, someone came to see me in a show and saw that I played fantasy sports and contacted me and said, Hey, I play in this league with all these big hedge fund guys on park Avenue. And I need someone that's really good with NL baseball because I really only know the AL and I'm really trying to win. Um, and we're talking like this draft has like big screens. They fly in a professional auctioneer. It's fully catered. It's in a Park Avenue law firm, a pie, whatever. And I'm like, uh, okay, so I check out the guy make sure he's not a creeper. Turns out he's not one of my best friends in the world now. Know his wife, know his kids, all that stuff. So I joined the team. And through that, I start meeting people. I meet the auctioneer. The auctioneer then the next year invites me to Sirius XM to watch the Tout Wars drafts in person. There's like 25 of us there. And basically from there, I just started hanging out with people and having fun. Next thing you know, I mean, I never tried to be a fantasy sports writer. That was never in my, you know, radar. Like I was just a singer, a dancer. Um, I had other careers. I ran a business on uh, Madison Avenue for a long time in health and wellness, focusing on women, completely different than this. And I just had people approach me. Nando DeFino said, hey, do you want to come up and do this guest TV spot and just talk baseball? And I was like, okay, that sounds fun. And here we are. <laughs> wow. Nando is responsible for so many people in this industry. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had him on there and he was just a breath of fresh air. And just kind of, it almost seems, you, it's like that coaching tree that we always talk about. You can follow so many great analysts and great people, probably more so than anything, coming from Nando's tree, so to speak. Oh, I mean, six degrees of Nando DeFino. Forget Kevin Bacon. <laughs> you want to know how exactly. to get somewhere in this world? Make friends with Nando or Rick Wolf. Uh, Either of those two. So other than the friendship thing that's kind of going on, and I mean, this is something we've been able to do from the get-go. I mean, we know how important it is to make those friendships and stuff like that, whether you're first starting or even now. What were some of the biggest changes, though, that you have seen from when you first started 
to where you are now like in the industry with yourself or whatever those might be? Well, first of all, how many content creators there are. So like when I started doing this like two or three years ago, it was like novel that I would sit and write one and a half, two minute videos on breaking news and my snarky opinion, you know, and that was like unique and nobody was doing that. Well, now everybody's doing that and it's gotten better and better and better. And the content has gotten better and better and better because everybody uh, can create. And I, what it's exciting is watching all these people that have put all this effort into creating this content and then seeing them get invited to these bigger and bigger sites and ultimately end up with, you know, uh, compensated positions doing something that they love, which, you know, being an actor and a singer, every time I booked a show, um, that allowed me to do that full time. I felt that joy of like being one of the few people in the world that gets to support themselves doing what they absolutely love. And this has become that as well for me. And every time I see it happen for somebody else, it just, it, it makes me so happy. You just following their passion and doing it. And then of course there are the people who are doing it on the side just because they love it and they're putting out the most incredible content. So I would say that's the main thing. Just the quality has gone up and the amount of people in the space. And you know what? That makes for competition and it makes everybody else better. Much like uh, the AFC quarterbacks. <laughs> That whole iron sharpening iron thing is, it's fantastic. Yeah. And I, I think the fantasy football community is a little bit different because it is inclusive and they want to help each other. It's, it's, different. Mm -hmm. it's not, it's, it's not cutthroat like you have in business. We've had so many people from business, lawyers, et cetera, make that transition to fantasy football, totally different altogether. Now I want, I do a lot of solo videos and do people just kind of tell people when you do a solo video, even a two minute clip, how much time you put in before that two minute clip actually gets published. Cause I, it's not two minutes. I mean, there's research. There's probably like, for me, there's like 120 takes because I can't speak English. I can't write English and we know I can't read. So it makes things difficult on my end to actually nail a take. So it used to take me a really long time. Um, but now I've gotten it down to a pretty streamlined process. Like during baseball season, I wrote up a DFS video with picks that's under two minutes every single day. And it gotten to where I can sometimes do it in one take. It used to take me hours and hours and hours, but you're right. It's the research beforehand that takes even more time. And then you, you break it all down to a two minute video. I'm like, Oh, what's that? You're working two minutes. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm going to help you win, I have to work a lot more to make sure I'm giving you good advice. So especially during baseball season, it's just, it's a grind. Um, so I would say, you know, a two minute video is really, Probably it can be anywhere from one hour to three hours of your time, depending on what you're doing. I feel that because I do those primetime previews on the Vipers network here where I break down a Monday night football game or a Thursday night football game. And I bet you there's about four or five, maybe even six hours of research and recording that go into a 10 minute video. I mean, mm -hmm. it's absolutely insane. And that's not even a good video. Like right. these people that actually help other people with good information. I mean, that's a different story. I just throw <laughs> stuff out there, throw stuff on a wall and see what sticks. Yeah. Um, a minute ago, you spoke about how you kind of got started in the industry. Um, but at what point did you decide to make fantasy sports like more than just a hobby? Was it like so instant? It was instant. I happened to be very fortunate and I got an offer to create videos for this startup company that was in gambling and they paid me enough um, that I could just do that. So I was very, very fortunate. Again, a connection through um, 
Nato, um, someone he introduced me to. And so I was able to do that. Um, and after that, it just kind of, uh, the pandemic came and it's not like I could have been out auditioning and doing shows. So, you know, we all kind of laid low. We all didn't have as much work. Uh, you know, we all scaled back and we got through it. And then I was just fortunate that the opportunities happened to come. Now, I mean, it's for better or for worse. I'm sure I get a few more opportunities because I'm a woman and people want to have diversity, right? Um, I like to think I'm a really good analyst, um, but also, you know, women take note it's not always working against you that you're a woman. It's often that it is working for you because believe it or not, men really are interested in a different perspective and a feminine perspective. They're, they're really not against it. And there's a few douchebags that are, don't get me wrong. I take a lot of, I get crap. I get nasty messages all the time, but for the most part, it's interesting to hear different voices and different people talk as long as they know what they're talking about for the most part. It, it is intriguing and there is a different way of looking at it and to have those different voices. And I actually believe that most companies, Fantasy Alarm is certainly that way. Um, Sports Illustrated is certainly that way. Series XM has certainly been that way. Extra points. They have all been like, hey, it's so cool to have a woman. And so I think there are a lot of opportunities out there. Women should definitely not be discouraged. And for guys, there are so, I, honestly, there are so many opportunities. I even have people messaging me all the time being like, Hey, uh, we're looking to maybe hire someone for X, Y, Z. Can you recommend anyone there? This, this industry is really expanding. Mm -hmm. And so th there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Great answer there. Um, so we all have favorite leagues growing up. Um, you know, the, those home leagues, we call them. What's, what's the favorite league you're in? I'm assuming it's a baseball one. Oh, it's probably the GDD league, my baseball league, but it's it's a tie between GDD and Moneyball. Moneyball is that one I told you about that I, I joined a long time ago. So I've been in that a long time and I have partners. GDD on my own and I play in that with like Ariel Cohen, uh, you know, Alex Fast, Jason Collette, Adam Ronis, Derek Van Riper. So it's like, but, but I also really like my GST league, um, which is football. And it's a, you know, high stakes, if you will, mix the high stakes leagues. And I've made it to the finals, uh, the two years I played. And it's, nice. it's just really, really fun. Um, you know, like Lawrence Jackson Jr. is in that one. Adam Ronis, Chris Vaccaro, uh, Scott Engel. So it's it's a super, super fun league too. So I don't know. I mean, I love all my baseball. I love all my baseball and my football. I'm an addict. Are, are you in any leagues? Ball. Are you in any leagues with like your, you're saying your dad and your uncles are all athletes and stuff. Are there any leagues or anything in any nope. family leagues? No. Nope. They never played fantasy football. This is a hundred percent fantasy football and fantasy baseball. They never taught me. They think it's funny and weird. And my dad played fantasy football for the first time last year because we did an invitational on my radio show. Mm -hmm. And he was like, this is a lot of work. <laughs> it <laughs> oh, is. Yeah. No kidding. Full -time job. It's not that easy. Like people think it is. All right. Now we're going to get to the hard hitting questions here. Okay. Uh -oh. I'm ready. If you could be any cartoon, Toon character, who would that be, and why is the answer normal? <laughs> so, this is my mistake. Uh, I <laughs> once informed Howard Bender that my college nickname was normal, 
And the reason why that was is because I had this friend that would go around identifying like what animal people looked like. So they'd be like, you know, major looks like a seahorse and Matt looks exactly like a cat or whatever. And, and it, it seemed random, but after she'd said it, you'd be like, Oh my God. Oh, yeah. I totally see that. <laughs> wow. It was like a sep- special superpower. So she was like, I was the only person she did this to. I was actually a cat cartoon cat, right? She's like, you're normal. I mean, you are normal. I was like, come on. I'm not normal. I'm so much more Garfield. I'm so sarcastic. But, I tell people my nickname is normal and they think it's hilarious and I think it's right. So I tell, you know, Bender this because Bender is like the ultimate Garfield, right? And yes. it, it's hilarious because I'm like, this is it, Garfield and normal. So yeah, that's how normal came about. Uh, even though I'm a Garfield lover, apparently I am that annoying uh, normal character with the big eyeballs and eyelashes. I don't know if you can tell on this camera. <laughs> buggy eyes. Yeah. Um. What's What's your one of your more memorable uh, podcasts or interview? Was it like the To one, the Erlacher one, the 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 Antoine Bolden? W- w- which one stands out so, to you? All of those guys are amazing. Uh, Erlacher is hilarious and like totally like your bro and your friend and like somebody you could just hang out and have beers with or go hang out with, right? But To, um. I actually ended up kind of having like some deep talks with T.O. unintentionally. Like our interviews were supposed to be like five minutes. They'd end up being like 15 or 20. And I remember one in particular where he was just talking about his daughter. Mm. And it was so heartwarming and he was so open. And he was also, of all the celebrities I interviewed, he was completely respectful, on time, organized, like there to do it and engaged in every question. He wasn't like, I'm just doing this for extra money. He was like there. So I actually have a lot of respect for T.O. from that uh, experience. I think he's a really cool guy. So yeah, I would say it's T.O. because I remember a lot of the things he said. And he also talked at length about the NBA. He loves the NBA. And it was fun to see him get excited about other athletes. And I remember him getting excited about DK Metcalf, talking about how great DK Metcalf was and saying he was going to exceed him by far. It It was just... I think he's actually a really good guy. That's cool. What's that feeling like when you, because we all go into it with a preconceived notion of an individual, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we've seen the workouts in the, the parking lot there in the driveway. We've, we've heard about the diva status of Terrell Owens, but when mm-hmm. you, you, so you kind of prepare yourself going in that yeah. this is someone you could see and all of a sudden you get completely the opposite. Exactly. I mean, I was shocked. Honestly, I was expecting him like, all right, you better be on your best behavior. He could be a diva. He could be whatever. He he's he was not, at least not with me. And I interviewed him like six times. So nice. it wasn't like he was in a good mood one day. Um, he was generous with his time and he was uh, very engaging. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, we, we do. We hear all these stories about people being divas or whatever. And it, it's definitely made me always take it with a grain of salt since then. Like, this may be true. This may not be true until you really know somebody. And, and of course, I only knew him for whatever the hour total I ever spoke to him. But in our interactions, he was always gracious, kind, and intelligent. Yeah. Um, let's see here. If you weren't doing uh, fantasy sports, what would you be doing? Uh, I know you spoke about the wellness thing with the women. You talked about the uh, the singing and the dancing. Let's let's put all that to the side. What else would you be doing if okay. uh, 
Yeah. I can't do any of those things. Um, I think that I would uh, be, I think I would be an interior designer. I think I was interested in kind of going into that. I just moved into a new place and I'm getting, I mean, like I have a lot to learn, um, but it would be that or else I would be, this is like really, that's an exotic car specialist. I worked very briefly for Porsche. Since then, I've learned a lot about Italian cars, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, uh, and I find that really interesting. I know that's kind of like not PC right now. They're not very green, but I, I love the beautiful Italian cars and, and Porsches and, and, and all of that. So that would be an, that's another thing I'm, I'm fairly interested in, um, especially the classic ones like the, the Countach and the Ferrari 355s and things like that. So now we're going down that lane. What's what's the fastest you're driven and what's the, the I guess, the um, most exotic car you, you're driven? Okay. Most exotic car I've driven is probably um, probably a Ferrari 360. Let's see. I've driven a Huracan. I've driven a Murcielago. I've driven a 360. I've driven a Porsche, all the Porsches, because when I worked for Porsche, we had to drive them on and we would do them on. We would get in hot laps with the race drivers, like put on the whole helmet and everything. And it was wicked cool. Um, so yeah, I would probably say maybe it's the Murcielago actually Lamborghini Murcielago. And what's the fastest, what's the fastest you got up to? Uh, I've never gone over like 130 um, because I'm a weenie. I've never been over 130. Like, it's well, not. <laughs> well, I haven't been over 75. What do you mean? When you're on a track, you can go pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. Hang on one second. I'm just trying to do the calculations here for our viewers because uh, that's so. Let's see here. That works out to oh, yeah, 209 okay. kilometers per hour here up in oh. Canada. 209 yeah. kilometers per hour. That sounds way faster. It sounds but, you know, way these faster. Cars, they can go up to like 202, 203 top speed. I mean, like, like in America, we're all like about zero to 60. We're like that yes. drag race thing. But that's not really the, the way Italian cars and stuff are supposed to work. But we can, you know, go on about this forever because I'm a nerd about this. Too. You guys should see my YouTube playlist. It's like aliens, Italian cars, fantasy sports, and Broadway. It's just normal. <laughs> That's what you know, you're we gotta work like, that. We've got to work that into the actual show. What's on your YouTube playlist? I mean, that's, that sounds like a fantastic. Oh, that that's going in question. right now. That's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I also think I have some stuff like, uh, you know, uh, cooking, right? Like great recipes. The material design, right? I mean, definitely. Like, what's what's trending in kitchens right now? Um, health stuff. I mean, well, my my, my YouTube playlist is. Your algorithm is all crazy. I'm pretty huh? sure I screwed up YouTube. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> like who's this person? This, like, meanwhile, I have videos like how to curl your hair with an athletic sock. You know, <laughs> so they like, probably think that you're one of those bots. You probably have to like, um, what's those like little tests you have to do to show that you're not a bot? Yeah, you probably like, do it all the time, right? Real. They're yeah. like, this person does not exist. It's weird. <laughs> would Would we be able to find like top three dad jokes on your YouTube feed, or is that something that gets sent directly to your Twitter account there? Okay, so first of all, you should know that my dad actually has prepared a spreadsheet nice. of every joke he sent me <laughs> along with my reaction. I like so him. He has them all cataloged, so he never repeats because he's insane. I like and um, I get a dad joke every single day. You want me to read you today's? Let's see what That's I got. What we got. Talk, hey, talk three dad I have today. a daughter who I need to like embarrass and stuff as well. How can I get that spreadsheet? Uh, it, you can you can at Rick PH. You can <laughs> he might share it with you. 
Um, so here's today. Is this not one of his best, but it's okay. By the way, Jen, never date a cross-eyed person. You'll always catch them seeing other people on the side. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. So we, we got to dig into this like a little them. bit deeper here. Do you have like the, what are the three, like I, we could ask your dad because he's got your reaction on, on every single one of these, but what were the three that like, you're probably happy you didn't have, you weren't drinking milk or drinking water at the time or coffee because I'm sure there's some pretty good ones that came your way. I'm so sorry. I just got a text that somebody is like coming early for an appointment. I had to tell them, no, I'm busy with Matt and Major. You have to wait. We finally made it. <laughs> I feel like we're in like Sports Illustrator right now. I'm like, you so, can't show up. Hang some, on. Some fantasy people, they break NFL news. We're breaking like dad jokes of the day. That's how right? we operate here. This is the t this is the stuff that people want to hear. Dad jokes of the day. That That's what people need. There's a little bit of humor, a little positivity in today's world. It would go a long way. Now, it's every I morning I wake up and I have one. I also now have his Wordle score. So now we're competing in Wordle. So I get the Wordle and then I get the dad joke. So we we have upped the game. So, I, you know, it cool. used to be like when my dad would text me, be like, oh, it must be important. Dad's texting me. Like, you know, there could be family news. Now I just look at it and I'm like, it's probably a Wordle. But tell it's the truth, how many times have you been feeling down or just having a bad day and then you get the dad joke and you just start dying laughing, right? I would say that happens about once a week. Yeah, see, it's, it's awesome. It. Dads are cool, man. I, I can't. Totally I'm, about to, I'm about to steal that because you try to send like music between me and my daughter, but I'm gonna start doing the. Uh, I'm gonna start doing the dad jokes. That's that's. You I like totally that. do it because you know what? She's always gonna have a soft spot in your heart for that. And like, I, I will say I'm I'm very lucky that I have an awesome dad. Um, I have an awesome mom too. Like it's not like I, but but um. I think it's especially nice when a girl has a great relationship with her father, because I think it builds a, a just a good self-confidence and it's just wonderful. I love seeing dads be close with their daughters. I think it's beautiful. Let's see if I made me cry, man. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> I got you covered here because not all relationships are good. I mean, Scott Fish has a horrible relationship with pickles and I need to know what your problem is with bananas. You know, Scott Fish also, I found out at the FSGA, also doesn't like any kind of condiment, like at all. So what is my problem with bananas? They smell, they, ha they have a terrible consistency. Why would you put them with ice cream? Ice cream is a perfect dessert. Why are you messing it up with the banana? They, 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 they have a ton of calories in them. Like what good is that? And why does every smoothie company think they have to put a banana in it? Every smoothie does not need a banana. And if I ask you to remove the banana, it's not weird. Okay. It's delicious. Bananas are not good. They're also a tepid taste. They have like no, they're just kind of like eh, sugary. Cool. Her whole, like, her whole facial everything changed. She was like happy and going and she was like bananas. <laughs> there is some deep rooted hatred towards the banana family on that. Yeah. I don't like bananas. I might have to get her like a rebuttal there from Chiquita or something like that. <laughs> or whatever. That was a good one, man. So, good job. You know I... So fantasy sports has been educational for a lot of us. Um, it's taught us a great deal of things, but what has fantasy sports taught you about yourself? It's taught me that I am definitely highly competitive. <laughs> Notice the facial expression on that too. Yeah. And, and maybe that's not the most healthy thing, 
Um, so it's definitely taught me to also to try to chill and zen out and <laughs> let things roll off your back. If, if you, if you don't win, don't stew over it too much. Uh, so yeah, I would say that that's the main thing it's taught me is that I, I definitely have a competitive streak and, uh, need to make sure it doesn't take over and turn me into a monster. That, that's, that's really good advice for everyone out there. Like let's, let's taper our stress and try to figure that out you know but um we all know relationships are super important in any business you're going into you spoke about a couple people already um just kind of take this moment to give a shout out to some of the people who've helped you in your career there's so many um first and foremost uh you know i got a shout out howard bender who i know you guys had on the show he first brought me on to Fantasy Alarm. Um, we did our live stream together and he has taught me so much, inspired me so much. And he's just one of the good guys, a uh, crusty outer shell and a heart of gold. And he's phenomenal. Rick Wolf, who also has connected me with so many people, uh, Nando DeFino. It goes on and on. My, my Moneyball partner, Peter Scherf. Everything that happens, happens through people. And I think that's the most important thing through this pandemic. We've gotten really used to kind of all hiding behind our screens and then like getting grumpy when things don't happen for us. Go out, make friends. If you feel comfortable, meet people in person, go to events, go to the Fantasy Football Expo. If you can't, then be on Zoom and, and meet people on Zoom and do live streams and do whatever you can because the world is better when we're together when people are together and helping each other. And that's really how things move forward. And you'll always be happy if you have those friendships and those relationships. And usually things just start to work out, put in the work and be kind to people. You kind of stepped on my next question. Jen. <sighs> Thanks for that. But I was going to say, give some advice for those of us trying to make it in the industry. So now you got to do it again. I'll do it again. <laughs> Continue to put in the work. Yeah. And continue to be kind to people and participate in the conversation. And trust me, eventually it will get noticed. There are so many different paths, so many different ways to success. It doesn't look the same for everyone. My path has certainly not been what I expected. You know, you can go down the betting path. You can go down the fantasy path. You can do content creation. You can do something that's completely unique that we haven't even seen yet. Uh, everybody's path is different. Never compare yourself to others and somebody else's gain is not your loss. Always remember that because somebody else's winning does not mean you're losing. It, and that's a hard thing because you see, oh, this is happening for this person. Oh, that means I didn't get it. Never think that way. It means your path is different and your time is coming in your way. So continue to be kind, continue to meet people and continue to work. And another piece of advice, don't brag about how hard you work. Mm. It's a red flag. If you're on and you have to talk about, I've been grinding, I've been working so hard, then you're doing it wrong. You should be working so hard that we can tell that you're working so hard because your quality is so good. And it should seem as if you're having fun. You never want it to seem like it's a grind. Even if it is, keep your chin up. Keep it positive. Don't try to impress anybody with how hard you're working. They'll notice because the results will be there. There you go. Oh, that way. I, go I never I never have to have that problem because I try not to work hard <laughs> as much as possible. So <laughs> It's so funny because like you said, you know, I put six hours into a video and do a 10-minute video. Right. But all of these, the 10 minute videos, like, oh, it's so easy for Matt. It's so effortless. He's so brilliant. Look how effortless it is for him. 
That's more I impressive. They, I don't know if they say that part, but we'll, <laughs> no. we'll go with it. There, there you go. Hey, Matt, clip that. <laughs> Brilliant and Matt Dolly have never been together. Those are two words that have not really worked. I mean, maybe put a prefix in there like non-brilliant. I don't know if that's even a word, but hey, <laughs> what is, is brilliant is if you're a newbie like me when it comes to sports betting, I mean, I'm frugal. I'm afraid to lose money, so I try not to bet a whole heck of a lot. And sometimes I get overwhelmed by the terminology in the betting world. You are in luck because Jennifer here just dropped on Sports Illustrated Betting a little bit of a do you know what these terms mean type article where she explains mm. the common betting terms and more in her betting 101 guide there. So a little shout out to that. I'm going to be taking a look at here a little bit later because these are all new words to me because I don't get into a whole betting a lot very often. And oh, this, this seems please to be like let me know if it guide. makes sense to you. Cause as I was writing it, I was like, ah, oh, is this overly complicated? So I really do want to know if it makes sense. Cause I'm going to be doing a series of these. So yeah, please, please read it. And let me know if it's at all helpful. Hey, usually these betting for dummies or these one oh ones, these are the type of things that I'm interested in. I mean, if you look at my bookshelf, everything is for dummies. Literally, it's a bunch of yellow books on my bookshelf here. But another thing I want to make sure we get on here before we head out is next Tuesday, March 15th, NFBC best ball cut line draft. I mean, you can head over to uh nfc.shgn.com, sign up baseball, a couple slashes thrown in there. Or head over to Jennifer's Twitter there. It's right there. It's a lot easier probably just to click that link when you get an opportunity to do so. Now, Jen, did I miss anything? Do we got anything else coming up here that we need to let the people know about? No, you can just keep checking out my work on SI uh, Fantasy. I'll have some more stuff coming out with extra points once the baseball season starts. Yes, definitely come play with me in the NFBC. Chance to win $75,000. It's just a best ball. All you have to do is a two-hour draft, and then you just let it ride and cross your fingers. So that will be lots of fun, and we will be live streaming that as well. So that'll be fun on Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time. If you don't want to play, you can at least check it out. And, of course, we'll be coming at you with uh, NFL news. Oh, I'll be broadcasting the Tout Wars drafts on SiriusXM. So lots going on. Just, you know, if you have a chance, give me a follow on Twitter, and there'll be plenty of info coming at you. Excellent. And as always, Major, Major's here with me each and every week. He's got his own thing, hopefully in the works, coming out here pretty soon. And you can catch him Sundays during the regular season there over at FastyPoints.com where him and Nick Script do a little bit of Sunday morning show each and every week there as the season continues. So little player props, a little bit more betting. So apparently I'm the only one who is not much of a gambler here. (laughs) And it's probably a good thing because... Like, like Jen said, we don't like to brag. And I can certainly say my betting skills aren't worth bragging about. With that all said, <laughs> this has been the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast, episode number 118, Behind the Grind with Jennifer Piacenti. And we are out of here. See you next week. <laughs>